0: It's go time. Previously on Third Down Gamble.
1: Nathan Rourke, the Canadian quarterback, could possibly get drafted, who they were even talking about possibly getting drafted in the States and then wasn't, and then did not sign a free agent contract. Do you see him getting picked up anywhere? Do you see him going somewhere to get a shot? I don't think you'll see him in the first round, but you may see him in the second round. I wonder if there might be a little extra push this year just on the off chance that we end up playing with all Canadians. down Oh no
0: What happened Where'd you go He's foot down
1: Aww. before we get too far into the podcast I have to send my apology to everyone who downloaded the last podcast on Thursday. I accidentally uploaded the wrong file and so our draft coverage that was I thought great with Andrew turned out to be available the next morning once I discovered the mistake. So I'll take that one. That's totally my fault. Years from now, people will not understand what I'm talking about, but that's already fine by me because you got to own what you make a mistake over and learn from your mistakes. And
0: we're still learning. Life goes on. Yep. It's uh, not a problem. We got it eventually, and it, I, I enjoyed listening to it again. Some great stuff we talked about, Don.
1: Well, I got to give a lot of credit to Andrew of the Empire Podcast for coming on. I thought that uh, his input and insight
0: was fantastic, and it's just hard to not keep bringing him back. Well, <laughs> oh, you can tell he's been at this a long time, and he understands the league, the players, and has a, a good grasp on the history. So great to have him on. Always enjoy having him with us.
1: Absolutely, as he would say.
0: So, the draft, it is over. It is. What did you think, Don? What were you, uh, you know, I I know you were watching all the way through. I had it on tape and and we talked a little after, but what did you think? What were your surprises? What were some of the shocks?
1: I wasn't too surprised by much of what went on that night. What I really liked was how the presentation was by TSN. I thought the way they split the screen up and the, the camaraderie between the participants was great the only thing that bugged me was somebody had an NFL helmet sitting over their right shoulder for the entire show didn't quite understand
0: why but first thing I noticed too I thought oh boy he, everything else he had fantoose flakes he had all kinds of CFL memorabilia but then the one helmet he has is NFL it's like oh okay that probably was just an oversight I'm guessing but uh, he's entitled
1: yeah absolutely that's it's also a football league and if he enjoys it then Naylor's okay I'm living with it too. When
0: you're doing it from home, you I guess you can put what you want behind you too. Well, that's true, but one would think Mm -hmm.
1: (laughs) that if you're doing a CFL draft, you probably try to focus all of your attention on the CFL. But anyway, I I don't want to. He did a good job that night, so I don't want to detract anything from what he did. Absolutely, all of them did. It might have been an oversight. It it might have he might have said ah who cares and. Whatever. You bet. Uh, I mean, it's just sort of fun to poke at him a little bit.
0: Jordan Williams going number one. Absolutely no surprise. None whatsoever. Um, we talked about that beforehand and that was certainly the guess that was posited that Williams would go. I, I guess what was a surprise is that uh, BC decided that they would move up and trade with Calgary. Had a double swap with picks on both teams moving. Well,
1: we talked about that ironically in the podcast and uh, I had a sense that the the Stampeders were looking to move that pick. With BC, I didn't expect that because I don't know what the relationship is between Huffnagel and Hervey. Clearly, they had some uh, ground on which they agreed. Yeah, Calgary got what they wanted. Uh, They went with Isaac Ademier Berglund, and Mm -hmm. I thought that was an astute pick. Uh, Dejan Brissette, the Argonauts, great hometown pick for them. Absolutely.
0: Uh, Any chance that they can to bring a Canadian receiver in and and be able to move that forward, I think that's definitely going to help their offense. I think they they did well in this draft overall. I was pleased.
1: And then Twitter just went crazy with the fourth pick, Thomas Jack uh, Kordia. He was the highest ever pick out of Buffalo. Uh, The school just loved the fact that somebody had got picked in the first round, my Twitter feed went crazy <laughs> over it, and
0: I thought that was really cool. I think the reason people are thinking it's a smart pickup is, is what everyone seems to be thinking, that he could be starting as a rookie, and uh, that's a great pickup. I, I'm not sure their second round selection was quite as well-known, certainly, that Alan Pay from the University of Ottawa, still a defensive end, uh, trying to address some needs, and, and uh, we heard Andrew speak to that, that they were potentially looking for defensive players. Overall, I think the Eskimos did fairly well in this draft.
1: I listened to the Empire podcast prior to uh, recording ours tonight and they did go back to that pick. Mm-hmm. Andrew admitted in the podcast that nothing from Brock should surprise him anymore and he should just learn to trust what Brock Sunderland does. He could be
0: another one of these sleeper picks that well, is
1: in the starting lineup an opening day.
0: Unproven, uh, I think would be the word. People really didn't know a lot about him, but uh, you know, obviously the, the team and the uh, scouts thought highly enough of him to take him where they did. So we'll see what happens there. I guess some of the ones that uh, got me a little bit was uh, Hamilton. I mean, taking a, a developmental line prospect, Coulter Woodmanzie, fifth overall pick. I mean I, I mean, I think that's a good move. They may have been able to wait a bit longer. They had a second pick. that They picked up defensive end Mason Bennett with their eighth overall pick, and, and again, a good pick. But what surprised me about Hamilton is we talked before about them potentially needing a kicker, and I mean, they do need a kicker. They didn't move at any point. And that did surprise me as well. I've got to admit that I... I
1: couldn't understand that, but again, you've got trade routes, you've got free agency, there's something that could fall their way. Ottawa went off the board in terms of what everyone thought. They didn't pick an old lineman in the first round. They went with a defensive back. Got that junior experience
0: plus the college experience in Canada. So that ages them just a little bit more. He is, um, you know, He's a brother to Anthony Eau Claire who's playing with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. He's a tight end with them. He's, uh, I think, a very versatile defender and I think he will do well on their team. Uh, particularly, he's going to start on special teams right away, and I, I think you'll see him become a very strong defensive player. Then in the second round, they took Michael Heck, a defensive tackle who'd signed with the Rams previous, but he's a, he, if he does come up, he's pretty impressive. That would be an impressive pickup if the NFL doesn't keep him down there. And the Rough Riders stayed at home.
1: Matlin Riley coming out of the University of Saskatchewan. They did. I can't remember the last time when the Riders spent a first round pick on a a U of S grad. I'm just sorry. I just don't remember.
0: I can't recall either. I mean, I haven't been following the draft in depth for for all those years. With Matlin Riley, I think they get a solid player. He's a little uh, undersized, but a very aggressive player. And I think they could be looking at him for the future as a center and In the meantime, he should be able to back up both center and guard, I would think, right away.
1: They filled a need with that pick. Mm -hmm. As we move down the ladder in terms of draft picks, uh, conspicuous by their absence were the Bombers in the first round. Of course, the Zach Calaris trade kind of precluded them being there. They did
0: go with a kicker, though. Later they, they did, and it was kind of surprising, like Mark uh, Leggio, I'm not sure, but they did take him, kind of stealing him away for Hamilton. I think Hamilton thought he'd be available later, so they ended up having to wait some time, and uh, they picked up another kicker, who's J.J. Molson, I think he's UCLA. He's not a punter, which is you know going to potentially impact their special teams, and Hamilton uh, has had strong special teams, of course, with Har- Harlaj, who is, did a great job, and uh, now it's it's definitely a hole, so... You wonder what Winnipeg is going to do, having two kickers in Medlock and Leggio, maybe potential trade bait? Medlock is moving to the backside of his
1: career now, and it could be more of a developmental thing with Leggio. And when Medlock is ready to step away, then you've got somebody ready-made, so you can keep him around. Maybe he takes over one of the duties. Well, that that would make sense. And and, and Medlock goes to the other, and then you split that uh, playing time. Yep. Carter O'Donnell, the Alberta grad. Mm-hmm. A lot of question about where he would come in, given that he went to the NFL already. Alouettes pick him at the 22 spot overall. Yeah, A little bit further down than I think most
0: picked. I think because... He's probably going to hang there for a little bit of time, but uh, you know, I was surprised that he wasn't picked up a little bit earlier as well. I thought he would go potentially second round. Someone would take a crack at him. Good for Montreal. They didn't have a first-round pick, but they did pick up another fellow who we kind of expected could be first-round in Marc-Antoine Decoy as well. Great uh, athletic defensive back who has signed with Green Bay Packers as well. If he doesn't make Green Bay's roster, he's going to be an outstanding addition for Montreal as well. You've got to always have
1: to weigh this in the back your mind does a guy who has NFL interest have a contract that's going to keep him there for a year three years five years or does something else come up and maybe the team moves on Mm -hmm. and the next thing you know he's back and you've got his rights so it's it's a a tough juggling act now the Alouettes with the 22nd pick overall you're getting into the third round that's kind of a safe place I think to do those sorts of things
0: I don't really want to waste early round picks on that no I I agree you want to make sure you're playing those guys when when you can, so you're not going to lose that pick as a potential starter or someone who could come in and work on special teams right away. So, yeah, I, I mean, overall, I, I thought the draft was very well done and, and the teams drafted, I think, for their needs, obviously. We had some teams, I think, went for the best athlete available, particularly as we went down, and we had some teams that did take flyers a little later too to see if they can pick up some of those guys. So, overall, I, I think teams did very well, and uh, I'm sure the players are hoping that they can hit the field sooner than later. Well,
1: that would be the best thing of all is if this draft is for this year's season. Uh, It was so sweet Mm -hmm. to hear Farhan right off the top say, this is live, people. This is an actual event that's live. It was just, it got the juices flowing right away. And uh, obviously there was a desire for it because viewership was way up this time. And maybe that
0: format isn't the worst thing for the draft anyway. I think people are dying for something. We saw it with the NFL draft the week before and uh, any anything that's live and new people are going to be excited about and certainly um, as I said I taped it. I wanted to make sure I could watch it. I couldn't watch it when it was on but uh, got it and, and then flipped over when I could uh, to catch the rest online. It was nice. The CFL had both areas and we were able to follow the draft right through to its conclusion. Something that I've really got to give thumbs up to the CFL for for the
1: last few years they have after the TSN broadcast ends, you can follow the rest of the draft live basically. Mm-hmm. And I really get a kick out of that. An amazing night. I, I I just I get so pumped, but I just then I have to pull myself back and say, "Well, wait a tick. We may not be there just yet."
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah, no exactly. And uh, and I think it was great for the league and and great for people who love the CFL, so I agree with you. Hats off to both Uh, TSN and and, uh, when we got online with the CFL after, it was a great way to watch the draft unfold and find out about some of our future Canadian stars in this league.
1: Remember, for proper physical distancing, if you're close enough to shake hands, you're too close. The recommended distance in CFL terms is two yards. Don't get a no yards penalty. Make sure you stay back at least two yards to maintain proper physical distancing. Second down. And before we leave the 2020 draft, I guess we've got to talk a little bit of the tale of two quarterbacks. One that was picked, but where we thought, and another that was surprisingly not. Mm
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, you you and uh, Andrew had talked about Rourke potentially going second round. Nice call on that one. British Columbia picking him, it was a
1: really good pick, pick. not only because they get a chance with him to see how he develops and see how he performs, and they do have an addition right now in BC behind Mike Riley. And the second thing about it is he is a BC kid. He's got a lot of connections with Victoria. There is uh, that hometown aspect to him, and I think that just makes for a great story if he can make the team.
0: Absolutely, and uh, you know, I, I we we talked before uh, about how he he has a great skill set for the CFL. He can run, he can pass, and hope he does make the team. I uh, anytime we can get Canadian quarterbacks in the league, I think it's a great boost for our league. On
1: the other side of the coin, we've got a uh, Vanier Cup winning quarterback that did
0: not get drafted. That. For me, it was probably one of the big disappointments of the draft, and I, I feel sorry for Adam Semigra. He's uh, you know, out with Calgary. They won the Cup. He was a runner-up for the Heck Crichton, and uh, I think an outstanding athlete who didn't really get a chance in terms of the draft of being called on that night, and I thought he would be. I
1: was thinking that he was going to be picked up maybe in a later round, fourth or fifth, but it just didn't seem to work out, and I can't imagine what was going through his head. He's, he played his entire collegiate career career in Calgary, but he's from Quebec originally. So he is. You would have thought that there would have been appeal on both sides.
0: Absolutely. I mean, after the CFL draft was over, the Alouettes did sign him. So, I, I mean, good, good on them for doing that. But, it, you know, here you've got one of the stars of the U sports. Unfortunately, with Canadian quarterbacks, there still seems to be some people who are a little bit reticent to pick them up.
1: If anything that I know about sort of that reticence is that the Canadian quarterbacks typically don't get the reps that the um, their American counterparts get. Mm-hmm. And it's just because uh, our football
0: isn't as, I, I don't know how to describe it, but just. Well, and I think that's again why Rourke, I mean, here you've got two athletes could be very similar. Rourke gets picked up. Uh, Sinagro who's playing in the U sports, does not. But Rourke again is down in the United States and uh, playing in, in, was it Ohio? Is that who he played with? I think so, the Bobcats, right? He, he's one that people are willing to take a look at because he's an NCAA uh, quarterback.
1: Yeah, I, I agree. There There is kind of that bias there, but football is football. I don't care if you're playing in front of 10 people or 10,000 people. If you're out there, you're still getting hit just as hard. Those people on the other side of the line are trying to get to you as fast as they can before you release the ball. So it really doesn't matter. But it's tough on a Canadian quarterback. Uh, mm-hmm. It's just it's tough.
0: It is, and uh, you know, I, I still would like to see the CFL grant that Canadian uh, national to them. If you're running quarterback, I think that would allow people to keep someone on their roster. So Bridges gone, and mm-hmm. Connor
1: still in Toronto with Senegra and with Rourke, we get two more. And it really, if the NFL continues to expand rosters, you got to think that quarterbacks are going to become more and more at a premium, and perhaps that should elevate more Canadian quarterbacks to be in the league because you've got to start opening up your horizon to different people. And there's nothing wrong with picking up a guy who's played the game from
0: childhood. We've talked before when when this does open up, Canadian players are going to be at a premium, I think, as well. Um, and and some Americans may or may not get up if, if indeed the league does go this season. So having some Canadian quarterbacks with experience might be really beneficial to these teams too. You never know.
1: And speaking of the... Uh, 2020 season. Mm -hmm. Of course, the Canadian Football League has been in negotiation with the federal government and trying to work out a sort of a schedule where the league would probably get 30 million up front and potentially another 120 million more if the 2020 season gets wiped out. And there's been some hue and cry over that saying, why should a pro league get any sort of special treatment? But this, I think, is being misrepresented in some way because the CFL is asking for a loan. This is not a gift. This is not a grant. This is not a handout. This is a loan. The league would be obligated to work out a payment or a repayment schedule with the Canadian
0: government, whereby federal government gets its money back. Well, and, and I think you're right. That, that certainly, um, when I've been listening to and reading some of the things that have been written about this um, 150 million. A lot of people seem to not talk about it in the loan factor, but as I understand, Commissioner Ambrosi has identified that this will, in fact, be the loan. And I think that's that's the way to go. I mean, if when the league resumes, um, if it's a loan, you're going to pay it back, and you should. I don't think uh, this league is looking for a handout. It's not the point. They've had to do this before, and and uh, you know, the last time that they did it was. I, I believe 1997 season when they were struggling, and the CFL got a loan from the NFL to keep it going.
1: They had a five-year partnership with the NFL, where three million uh, came in the form of monies, and then the uh, CFL then worked out some other player arrangements, and then also there was uh, an allowance for having NFL games in Canada. The CFL faithfully held up its end of the bargain; the money was paid back, and as we turned into the 2000s and we we had Michael Lisko, and then yep. we eventually get to Mark Cohan, and Cohan stewarded probably the halcyon years of the last 20 yes. for the Canadian Football League in terms of excitement, attendance, and revenues, and it's just every league goes through a cycle. The only one that seems to be immune is the NFL. Yep. For whatever reason, uh, they just don't uh, have a shield that seems to get dented, but the Canadian Football League, like any other business, is cyclical. You're going to have your good times and your bad times. The trick to getting through it is working enough revenues into your good times that you can withstand the bad times. Nobody, but nobody, but nobody could anticipate COVID-19.
0: You're absolutely right. No one could. And and, uh, because of the fact that the league is is facing a high probability, I would say, of not operating, I mean, the league still has bills to pay and they are going to need some money. So, I mean, if the government doesn't come forward, Don, do you do you think the CFL would potentially approach the NFL and, and look at, at looking at a loan like that again?
1: I think it's within the realm of possibility. I don't think it's within the realm of probability. Mm-hmm. The CFL and the NFL work together on a lot of levels, but I'm not sure, given that the NFL is sort of in the same bind, that they would be too willing to open up their pocketbooks and help out the CFL at this point. The NFL itself does not know absolutely that it can start in September. And if it doesn't, that means no television revenues come in. And that is huge for their bottom line. So they've got to be worried about that. They're they're trying to come up with contingencies just like the cfl is trying to come up with Mm -hmm. well we've got the national hockey league the nba who still have yet to finish their last season that's true and the nhl is purportedly on the verge of potentially losing a billion if they don't finish that season which that's maybe a a worst case scenario but wow
0: it uh that, that's a huge amount of money. I mean, any amount, I mean, the NHL and the NFL and the NBA, for that matter, do make a lot of money, but it is tied to the revenues and it's tied to the sponsorships and it's tied to all those things. So if a season doesn't go, I assume the NHL is going to have to repay some of their sponsorships or make reimbursements to some of the bills that they have. So, I mean, a $1 billion hit, that's definitely going to impact even, a, a, you know, a much more solvent league like the NHL.
1: Well, if you divide it over the number of teams, it works out to about thirty million per team. Uh, You look at the CFL; ask one hundred and fifty over nine. So it's not unrealistic what the CFL is asking for. You may see the NHL, the Canadian clubs, ask for help as well. It's if you don't have the games,
0: television is not going to pay their bills. You know, they're going to rebroadcast, and we've seen the CFL rebroadcasting some old games, and that will happen in these other leagues as well if we enter seasons and they're not running. But you're not getting the income off, and the sponsorships aren't being paid, and uh, it's a difficult time for all sports leagues, and the CFL is not immune to that. So that's why I really don't understand the
1: angst over
0: the CFL
1: asking for a loan. Uh, The angst, yes, in the sense that the CFL is certainly in crisis over this COVID-19, and potentially could really be hit hard they're trying to cushion the blow with this loan it is a loan that's the four letters that we have to stick with l-o-a-n and nothing changes that if and people have said well transparency let's see why they have to do this well how many people walk into a bank and then open their books to anyone but the loan officer they you don't you don't you don't put them on the window and say hey everybody this is why i'm here today
0: yep yeah, no, I, I mean, we want transparency in our league. We want to know what's going on. But at the same point, some of those details, I think, have to remain between uh, the league and, and when they're approaching different levels of government, because I assume we can talk about some of the teams in the stadiums. I mean, that that's going to impact in the communities as well. When you take a look at stadiums that are new, like in Winnipeg, it's Saskatchewan, maybe even Hamilton, they've got to make the bills on that happen too. And without a league, it's tough to do
1: city of regina has admitted that if the gray cup doesn't happen this year it's going to be a huge financial impact upon them and that's in the millions there are impacts that are absolutely further down the line as you go all the way through the bombers are talking like losing 10 million this year if they don't have it we talked about the riders losing potentially 17 million in gate receipts mm-hmm. if a season doesn't go like this is real dollars this is not Funny money. This is real dollars. Not many businesses that I know in this country can take those kind of hits and and keep on ticking. No,
0: and and I think that's what makes this challenging. Is that uh, you know there's there's different levels of business. There's different levels of uh, government agencies and and uh, even things like health education. That they're all taking hits, and everyone's wanting some kind of payment and some kind of money. And I think that's where some people may take that the money should not be passed to the league, right? Money should be put in other directions. So, But if it's a loan, the money's coming back. Agreed. And I, I think that clarification needs to be made. And, and uh, the loan in this case is looking to be repaid. Other people maybe aren't looking for loans, and some will be. I mean, some of the businesses are going to need loans to just to keep afloat for a little while. And I hope that that everyone who can will take the loan and try to do what they can to repay because I don't think the government can afford to just give out money to any businesses, any leagues, any organizations, any government agencies without having a a way of looking to recompense. Third Down Gamble So Don, uh, news out of the CFL is that the CFL and the CFLPA are going to be resuming talks here. What's your thought on that?
1: I think anytime you're back in the boardroom, metaphorically, discussing mm-hmm. the future of the CFL during this crisis, I think, as you indicated quite vociferously last week, and I, I applaud you for doing it, that you've got to work together to come to a common solution that works for everyone.
0: Yeah. And I think that's, that's the key right now. I mean, uh, the CFLPA now knows where the CFL is standing after asking for $150 million that They've got to come to the table and they're going to have to, uh, you know, meet with the league and and figure things out together so that both sides can move forward and keep the league viable.
1: The talks kind of broke off when the CFL had indicated to the PA that the season wasn't going to start until July 1st. And then that whole paragraph 16 rolled into the conversation. Mm -hmm. And in the uh, post-media Calgary Sun piece on it, I quote, the CFL told the pa there would could not be further progress made if the players insisted on discussing paragraph 16 and its potential to create a synthetic class of free agents so talks were shut down that was only for a couple of weeks but notwithstanding you can feel the angst in the feeling of the cfl over that paragraph 16 again it was a situation where i think a clause was written not for this purpose
0: no it definitely wasn't and, and uh you know, I, I'm, I'm a fan of Randy Ambrosio. I've made that clear. And I think he, he, he approached it well saying, you know, we're going to take a pause. We're going to have some time to look at uh, what is going on and, and move forward from there. So I think, uh, you know, having a pause for a couple of weeks definitely did both sides good. and They can come back with a, a full vision of what could potentially impact both of them and uh, hopefully move forward together and find a solution.
1: Well, I think it's incumbent upon both parties to do that. Uh, Eliminian has had sent out the memo to the players uh, expressing his frustration over the fact that bro- talks had broken down mm-hmm. and Ambrosi just said, Hey, we probably need to cool off anyway. And you almost got this feel, you know, you've got the linebacker on one side and the offensive lineman on the other side yep. you know, on the field. One guy's coming after the other all the time. So it's a great football metaphor uh, in this case, it's it's yeah. Well, and in this case, you you've got to <laughs> to come to agreement so that El uh, Minion comes through the line that Ambrosi isn't flattening him, but he's actually shaking his
0: hand and saying, "Hey, yeah. I know you want to get to the quarterback, maybe not now." No, that's exactly, and, and and they have to do that. You've said it before, and and I definitely agree that in working together, that's the way we're going to find a solution. That clause could not have been uh, written at at any idea of what COVID nineteen would do to this league, so uh, I think you've got to take that as a grain of salt and and say, okay, we we understand that potentially you could dissolve all the contracts, but is that what players want? Is that best for the league, and will that keep people coming out to the game and and maintaining faith in the CFL? And I don't think it would, so find something that works for both sides because I think that that's got to, you know, you have to give something to the players too, not one side can't win everything. Well, the clause, it's in the
1: player's contract with the league and the clause is, it is mutually understood and agreed that if the operation of the Canadian Football League is suspended, this contract shall immediately be terminated. And again, I'm not a lawyer, did sleep in my own bed last night, mutually understood and agreed if the operation, what constitutes operation of the Canadian Football League. And again, we went over this a few weeks ago. League office is still working. The general managers are still signing players. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like what, what, it's just not defined. So I don't know what legal leg you stand on to say that the league has suspended operations because you, you don't define what operations are.
0: No. No. And, and you're right, all of those things are going. I mean, you and I, uh, you know, we've made our payments to the clubs. They, they're working. I, I've had phone calls. I'm sure you have as well. I've got this season paid, and I'm now looking for next season. So in the event that this season doesn't run, I'm okay to leave my funds there because I'm hoping the CFL will come back and we can we can go, uh, you know, to the games in the future, and I'll have had the 2021 season paid for. I, I don't see the league being suspended in the fact that it's just postponing a a year, but again, that's that's the argument the lawyers are going to make, and I'm sure they'll make a lot of money between this um, when when they come down to. Well,
1: that's if they go that route. If they go the lawyer route, they may not have to. I think, uh, truthfully, neither side wants to go that way, and I don't see the players want to hold that over the CFL and say, you know, we want this, that, and the other thing, or we're going to pull this one on you. That that just doesn't seem to be a
0: cooperative way of getting to a a good solution for everyone. No, I agree. These two sides resume and they get their meetings going on to take a look at this and and, uh, hopefully they'll come up with a solution.
1: Well, I really think that this is really going to be predicated on, and I'm just hypothesizing right now, if the NFL goes ahead and the CFL can't, is not allowed to do you as the cfl pa pres and the executive try to push the cfl to give these guys an opt-out right now and say let them go try out in the nfl we've discussed this before about how many players would it really impact and are you flooding the market with your competition
0: because you all come out at the same time Mm. in a, a large enough number in my opinion, you should, because players only have a certain number of years that they can be productive players and, and potentially make a living, and this is hitting them um, if there's no league. So if they truly feel that they want to get out of their contract, there should be an opt-out. Um, I, you and I have spoken on this before. If there's an opt-out, I would like to see them have to come back to that team that, that has let them opt-out as well. I think that's the give and take that, that certainly will be discussed as the CFL PA and the CFL meet to determine how they can best meet the needs of the players because they do have to make money in a limited time, but also addressing the needs of the league and keeping players with the teams that they're with uh, so that you can keep some continuity as we head forward, even if the one season isn't played. The other part of the equation, if
1: you're the players, you need certainty from the CFL at some point about what's going to happen. Mm -hmm. You can't have a fluid start date because you never know then if you're ever going to be available to the NFL should this opt-out arise so you need some sort of statement coming from the league saying by this date we'll state for sure we're going to go in 2020 or we're not and that's the only way if you ever try to work out an opt-out in the contract as we sort of theorized over that that would work because if it keeps moving and shifting you never come to any
0: certainty of what's going to happen. Very good point, Don. And, uh, you know, what, what date would you think that would be? Do you think that's uh, September? Do you think that's the long weekend somewhere in there? Because when, when do NFL camps start? Some of them are going to want to be there at the opening of NFL camps. NFL camps, I believe, start in August, don't they? I, I, th- I was thinking they may as well. So, I mean, they're, you know, the timeline is getting tight on some of those things. So I think it's important they're meeting now, and, and I'm glad to hear they are if you're the CFL
1: to make a proper determination about whether or not you can play this year you have to consult a lot of people health canada provincial governments there's all kinds of different levels that you have to get agreement from and if you're the player you're kind of saying well let's go now let's push let's let's i want to know by may the 15th so that or well may the 15th is probably too early but i want to know by June the 1st, so that if you guys decide you're not going to play, can you please let me know then? Then maybe we can negotiate an opt out for this year, a one time deal where guys can scoot
0: to the NFL and then. The agents have to be uh, able to talk to the NFL teams and be able to sell their clients as well. So, I mean, from the player standpoint, certainly they want sooner than later. And and from the uh, league and, and the teams, you want later than sooner because you're always holding out hope that the league will go. So, Tough situation, but uh, hopefully the two sides can make the best of it and and come to some solutions. And maybe the opt-out isn't
1: even on the table. I don't know. We're just thinking that what if. Yep. And my
0: hope of hope is is that it's not on the table. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. We'll have to uh, see if we can connect in with some of the uh, fellows around, like uh, Andrew again, and see what he might think of this one.
1: Well, we've had Andrew three times on this podcast and what do you think? Should we go NFL on him and bring him back for a fourth at some point?
0: (laughs) Well, I don't know. Well, you heard what they said on their podcast this week. (laughs) So we'll see.
1: It would be great. I, I love having Andrew of the Eskimo Empire podcast on. He is so giving of his time and he is a great resource. Big surprise coming next week from the Alouettes Flight Deck. And I'm really stoked about that. Thank you for listening to our show. Third Down Gamble is hosted on Podbean. Third Down Gamble can be found on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and Spotify. Follow us on Twitter, where our handle is at Third Down Gamble. That's spelled at T H I R D D O W N G A M B L E. Join us again next time. The Third Down Gamble Podcast. Audio worth watching.